So I'm gonna get you to introduce yourself. Okay. Yeah. That's okay. Sounds yes. Good. And then if you want to introduce your podcast as well. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> All right. Sounds great. Are we ready? Hi everyone. Welcome back to Speak Lord Podcast. I'm your host Sarah. Um, don't forget to like, subscribe on Apple uh, Podcasts and Spotify. Um, today I'm joined by Brianna and we have a very special guest. Um, we're going to be talking about uh, college life and our experiences and if it really is the best four years of your life. So would you like to introduce yourself for of everyone? Course. My name is Monet Souza and I'm so grateful that I'm here with the two of you. This is so beautiful and yeah, it's good that we're here. I am the founder of A Message of Hope, which is a Catholic ministry for high school and college students. You know, similar to the topic that we're going to discuss today, I kind of just create content based on that to help lead and guide high school and college students to live out lifestyles for the Lord. I am from the New England area, and yeah, I'm just doing a whole mixture of things for the kingdom of God and trying to get people to heaven. Yeah, so we're, we're so excited to have you here. Um, I think this is going to be awesome. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, do you want to get started maybe? Yeah, so maybe we could each start by talking about a little bit of our backgrounds and like our college experience. So um, myself, I went to a secular university for my undergrad. Um, Sarah and I are currently pursuing our master's degree, but we're going to be talking about those those four years of undergrad. So I went to a secular university. What about you guys? Yeah, I went to a Catholic university in Ireland. Um, but it's funny because like Catholicism in Ireland is like a very much a cultural thing um so people aren't always practicing even though they are catholic so that was an interesting thing for me in college um yeah it was a catholic university but mostly in me yeah yeah only no i feel the same way i went to for two years i went to a catholic university in name only in the new england area and then i ended up transferring to franciscan university so seeing two different college campuses two different cultural lives of living out the faith was just so dramatically different from the first university to then going to Franciscan University. Yeah, mm -hmm. I bet. How was Franciscan? Because oh. I have a few friends that went there, but I haven't actually like visited myself or anything like that. I thought it was awesome. It was so beautiful to just walk on a campus where holding your rosary beads in public was totally accepted, to find people praying at like 24 hours throughout the day, you could find someone to pray with. And wow. the faith was encouraged where on my previous college campus, it was put that away. No one wants right. to see that. Mm -hmm. And so it it was like a little bubble of heaven on Franciscan University's campus, which I was extremely grateful for. So it was a good time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's funny because my experience, so um, we had a ministry program. So they had like Christian group and then a Catholic group and other groups as well. Mm -hmm. um, but something that I found that was, like, hard for me was kind of what you were talking about, Sarah, is, like, it was kind of Catholic in name only. So I really struggled to connect with a lot of people there. And um, I also found that it was actually pretty clicky, which I thought was interesting. And I don't know if that was just, like, the campus itself that had that kind of, like, atmosphere and environment, you know? Yeah. I, I feel, oh, you're making me think now. I remember my freshman year, I was going into, like, campus ministry offices, which is connected to the chapel, mm -hmm. which was on the campus. And, you know, obviously Jesus is right there in the tabernacle. And then I go in the hallway, which leads to the campus ministry offices behind the church aspect. And there was an interfaith room, 
inside oh. the chapel. And it just, you walked in there and it was totally contradictory to what was happening in the chapel. It was, you know, like yoga mats. Yeah. It was, you know, soft, comfy cushions to pray on. And I understand it is good to bridge the gap between our brothers and sisters of different faith aspects and different faith backgrounds. But to have that in the chapel where Jesus is residing, right. it just felt yeah. very off. Yeah. But again, it was totally acceptable in terms of the university's guidelines. Right. Right. Yeah, actually, yeah, we did have an interfaith room, um, which I didn't even find out about actually until like my final year. But like right mm -hmm. beside the chapel, so it was in like this one little area. Mm -hmm. um, and it's funny because like it was Catholic University, but these are seen, seen as like being the same and like equally valid like worship. Uh, spaces and like yeah it's just it's just not the same um <laughs> yeah so it's that's interesting um that you have it as well yeah mm -hmm. well, all i can think is though thank god they were that close to jesus even if it was someone yeah. of like mm -hmm. protestant background muslim background whatever it is they they got just that close to jesus so mm -hmm. they were close to the truth yeah yeah that's true yeah that's true yeah and then campus ministry we didn't really have a campus ministry that's not really something that's really established in ireland um I know Focus have recently uh, set up in Ireland. Um, mm -hmm. They're in Dublin, in, in university there. Um, and Net Ministries as well is, is operating in Ireland just the last couple of years. Um, but yeah, we didn't have anything like that on our campus. We had a chaplaincy, um, but again, there wasn't really much um, going on that I was aware of anyways, and I would have been someone who had been looking for that. Right. Um, until my final year, uh, we got a sister, um, a Dominican sister, St. Cecilia. Um, so that like, was completely different my last year to the previous three years um, that I had there. But didn't yeah. you say, I think when you and I were talking about it, you said that you would go to daily mass and you were the only one. Yeah, I would go yeah. to daily mass, like, yeah, probably, definitely my third year and my fourth year, probably half of my second year. Um, and yeah, a lot of times I would be the only student uh, and then there would be like, old ladies from the neighborhood that would come in and go to mass um and then sometimes actually there was one kid he was a freshman and he was american actually um and he would be there uh, as well so yeah it's crazy because i think there were probably it was a small university maybe five thousand students okay. but then still i couldn't think of five thousand students and there's like maybe two or three that are going to daily mass it's yeah crazy yeah mm -hmm. At a Catholic school. Yeah. 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 I think that definitely gives a taste of like what we're up against and mm -hmm. what what living out your faith actually means on a college campus. Um, you're very much alone, unfortunately. Unless you go to somewhere like Stephenville, I imagine. Yeah. Um, so what was that like for you other than like were you meeting a lot of people that were very devout? When I was at my previous university or at Franciscan? Both. So when I was at my previous university, it was, you know, I got involved in campus ministry. Thank God their campus ministry had a decent amount of people, but it was a lot of lukewarm or it may be people who are like, I'm really passionate about my faith in these four walls, but yeah. you're, t you're telling me I have to evangelize to like those, you know, football players or soccer players. I kept saying at all of our meetings, like, please, like, we need to spread this gospel message, not just to this group, because we know it. Like, we got to get outside these walls and it just... It was, you could tell that they were scared with that um, thought of going out and speaking to people who may not accept the message that they're going to give to them or the faith that they're going to present to them. So that was really hard where within my own campus ministry, I didn't feel supported. So 
thank God I was still, you know, friends with people uh, outside of campus ministry. And some of my roommates who may not have been practicing at the time, I, it would be Palm Sunday. And I'd say, guys, this is a holy day of obligation and it's Palm Sunday. Like, please come with me. So through those invitations, they would come. Mm-hmm. But for the bigger holy days of obligation, right. not for a daily mass or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So even though I had people around me, it still felt lonely because, yeah, here are my roommates mm-hmm. not coming to mass with me and I'm sitting in the pew alone. So right. yeah. I can imagine what that was like for you. And, yeah, just, again, walking around on campus where, you know, even if I was wearing a crucifix around my neck or something, I don't know how that would have been accepted. But then going to Franciscan, it was such an extreme change mm-hmm. where I almost was like, well, why is everyone saying hello to me? Why is everyone praying? What's happening? Because I was involved and used to the party culture right. beforehand. I was involved and used to like being alone. And now here I am mm-hmm. with people around me at all times praying. It was, honestly, it was beautiful that I saw that, but it took me a little bit to adjust. Mm-hmm. Once I went to Franciscan's campus, I continued to seek out parties because that's all I knew. Yeah. So for my yeah. first semester, yeah. I'm like, where the party's at? Like, what are we going to do? Like, when people first were saying, you know, like our RAs, okay, guys, we're doing a board game night Friday. I'm like, yeah, my grandma and my mother will be at that. I'll get the party <laughs> down the road. Like, that's yeah. like, I was like, yeah. I don't want that. I'm yeah. like, you're weird and nerdy yeah. because that's what the nerdy kids did yeah. on my previous college yeah. campus. And so then once I started realizing yeah, I'm still empty and seeing, okay, the board game actually is a time to be in community with people and have good conversations. Mm-hmm. Where at a party, everyone's like, like sardines shifted in between like the crowd and you're not having good in-depth of substance conversations. So mm-hmm. that really is what the community feel felt like, the living up my faith aspect felt like. But again, it's crazy how college makes partying the norm, how it makes, mm-hmm. you know, all these other substance mm-hmm. use the norm and how I even believed that to be true. And I saw that play out once it transferred. Well, it really makes addiction normal, doesn't it? Because, like, yes, you know, does. I knew a lot of people that, you know, they only took one day off a week not drinking. So mm-hmm. I think that would be, like, Monday. But every other day of the week they would start drinking, you know. Right. And, like, early times of the day, you know. And, yeah, and then the drugs on top of that, not a good combination. But I think um, one of the questions you asked, Sarah, is, is college the best four years of your life? So what do you guys <laughs> think about that? Yeah, I was saying beforehand, I certainly hope not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I really, I really hope not. But, yeah, going off what you said, Monet, as well, um, yeah, the party theme, like, I was involved in all that throughout, like, college. You know, I was, like, trying to practice my faith, but then mm-hmm. when you're pretty much alone in that, like, I would have um, U2000 retreats that I could go to, um, like, a couple times a year um, and meet, like, other young practicing Catholics there and, like, have those, like, deeper connections. Um, but then in terms of, like, my friends, like, my immediate friends who are around me, like, this is how I connected with them. Like, we would go out to birds and, like, clubs and, like, dance and, like, drink. Um, and, yeah, it's just, it's so funny how, I don't know, I sometimes I felt like I was leading, like, a double life, mm-hmm. um, which is, yes, yeah, it's, it's hard. And then, like, how do you evangelize to those people, like you said? Um, so just before we started, we were talking about uh, Bishop Barron's talk at Seek. And so something that he said uh, in his talk was that, um, like if you if people are not reacting if people are indifferent when you're preaching the gospel or preaching about Christ you're not doing it right 
um, because Christ like requires a choice. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like look, reflecting back, like I wasn't really fully living out my faith. Um, yeah, it's just it's just funny when you're like in that party culture, but then also trying to follow the faith. It's like they they're totally contradictory. Um, yeah. But okay. yeah, I can see how like it it like it gets normalized in college, mm -hmm. um, and like the addiction, like definitely. I think I know a lot of people who um, have problems with alcohol. They, I don't think they realize it. No, they don't. Um, they think it's normal. Yeah, when you're yeah. in that and surrounded by it, it's like, I don't know, it's just so depressing um, mm -hmm. to think about. Um, and those people are really like slaves to the party life and like the alcohol and the drugs and hookups and everything else. Like, it's just, it's crazy, really. So, I, yeah, I don't think it's the best four years of your life. <laughs> <I'm not sure. laughs> And even like you were saying with that double life, we think we can do both. Mm -hmm. Like I would pride myself in, like I'm not kissing every guy in the room. Like my other friend is, I'm yeah. like still upholding my Catholic beliefs, right. but it's mm -hmm. it goes beyond that. Yeah. Like mm -hmm. you have to choose one or the other. It's one thing yeah. if like the three of us instead of drinking tea, we are drinking tea. But if we were drinking <laughs> like if we were drinking an alcoholic <laughs> beverage or something, like this would be fine because we're in a social setting. Like we're drinking socially. Yes. Yeah. But in college, like most times we're drinking to like um become less of an introvert or we're yeah. drinking to like um get the attention of someone else or whatever it is but i totally get the like one foot in one foot out yeah yeah a lot of times in college it's like drinking to get drunk that's what i would see with yeah. like my friends and yeah they buy the cheap alcohol they don't buy the good stuff yeah you're just drinking yeah it's drunk. not enjoyable yeah. it's to yeah, yeah get yeah. to a place where you're not gonna realize how unhappy you are and how empty you are mm -hmm. in your life mm -hmm. um yeah, it was funny. I remember I went to one college party and I saw everything that I wanted to see and I was like, I'm never going again. I was a freshman. And so um, I went to this party and it was fine. And then um, I was ready to leave with some of my girlfriends. And one of the guys there uh, was like totally drunk out of his mind. And so his friend was like, oh, can you take him back to campus with you? So we took him back to campus. And thank God he didn't get sick on us in the car ride on the way back, but he got sick, like, walking back to his dorm room. But he didn't, he was so, like, intoxicated, he didn't know where he was. Mm -hmm. So we had to, like, walk him back to his dorm room. I'd never met this kid before. So, like, mm -hmm. I was just like, okay, like, you know, ask him where he lives and hope he, like, remembers where he lives. Mm -hmm. And I just remember walking into his dorm room and his roommate's in bed with a girl. And I was so furious at that point because he'd gotten... He, like, had kept getting sick as we were, like, taking him. Um, that I was, like... And and the the guy who was drunk, who we were helping, he was, like, oh, I can't I can't be here right now. Like, my roommate's in here. When we opened the door. And I was, like, no, you're staying here. You can't go anywhere. Right. So, yeah. It was just heartbreaking, though, to, like, see that. And, like, I don't know. It was so... I just feel like, don't you want better for yourself? And for yeah. the other person. And for the other person, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I know. I I think you talked about the isolation aspect and the depression aspect of college, which no one seems to openly speak about. But again, every single college campus, there's a great need for counselors. Mm -hmm. And I they're putting counselors on college campuses, I think, to kind of help that need of the isolation, yes. depression yeah. aspect. Mm -hmm. um, because my first semester of college, again, freshman year, I did. I was like, I'm not going to 
a party. I'm really scared. Never been to one ever before. I'm like, no, 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 no. But then that whole entire semester, every weekend I was by myself. All my, like my roommate kept going out. I didn't want to be alone. I really didn't. So come second semester, they're like, Marie, just come out, come out. And I said yes, because I'm like, I don't want to be alone in my room again. Yeah, exactly. And so then that's where like that spiral downward began because I was like, well, be alone in my room for like the hundredth time. Or do I just go out to the party so I can at least be around people? Maybe they're not people I want to be with. But they're people. Yeah. They're not alone. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I think if more people spoke up and said, I don't want to go to a party, and like people were okay with that, and then you kind of formed your group from that, yeah. you'd be a little bit better off, I guess, because no one forced me to go to the party. Again, mm-hmm. I, it was just like the two options on the table, and isolation and loneliness didn't sound good to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, to answer that question then of, is college the best four years of your life? Like, are your parents telling the truth? Are your teachers telling the truth? Like, right. no, they're not, at least for me, they were not the best four years. I went to school for five years, and they were the hardest five years of my life, socially, roommate-wise, um, temptation-wise, like, living out my faith-wise, like, every single aspect to just, like, stay on that path. Like, I was getting, like, bumped along the way from all these, like, little obstacles to just finish with the degree and... The minute I was done, I was like, thank you, Lord. I'm like, don't make me redo that. Yeah. Yeah. I remember walking at graduation and I was like, I'm out of here. I was like, why, guys? I'm not crying because I'm sad to leave. I'm crying because I'm happy. I was like, goodbye. Yeah. 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 I think, too, the depression that you just mentioned, Moni, made me think of one time I was sitting in class and it's funny how people, I think they, they make the connections between the lifestyle and, like, the emptiness and the consequences. Yeah, yeah, the consequences mm-hmm. of it. But I think like there's a reluctance to acknowledge that. But I think they know. I so, think they know. Yeah, yeah, I was sitting in class one day. I remember, and these two girls were sitting behind me. I didn't really know them, but like I, I knew who they were, you know. Um, so I heard one girl. She had like gone home with a guy the night before, and so she was telling her friend that like she felt terrible and like she was really sad and all this sort of stuff. And her friend said to her, like, yeah, like, that's normal. Like, you go home, like, it's fine. And then you wake up in the morning, you feel like, oh, this guy doesn't really respect me. But, like, you just get over it. Like, everyone does it. Stop complaining. Like, it's fine. Like, yeah, like, you'll feel shit for a few days. I don't know if I should say that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm floating. (laughs) But, yeah, she was like, you'll feel terrible. But, like, everyone does it. Like, just get over it. Yeah. And I remember I sitting there true. thinking, like, that is yeah. so sad. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. I, yeah, maybe I should have turned around and said to this girl, like, you don't have to do this. Like, you don't have to feel this terrible about yourself and, yeah. like, such yeah. low self esteem. But, like, at the same time, I didn't know her and I was like, I don't want to be, like, listening in. They were talking really loud. I was not, yeah. like, listening mm-hmm. into their conversation, yeah. but, like, I think everyone around us couldn't help but hear it. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that really, like, struck me and it stayed with me. Like, these people that are living this lifestyle know that it's not fulfilling, but I don't know that they realize that they don't have to do it, mm-hmm. which is just so sad. Right, because that's part of, part of like the college package, right? It's mm-hmm. like you're going to have the college experience, which is what, you know, like mm-hmm. partying, drinking, hooking up, like it's all the college experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're taking a toll on your body. Like there's nothing attractive about that. Where sadly, the secular culture makes us want to do everything in our power not to die 
not to look like we're aging, not to look like we have like blemishes or anything on our face, like we're doing everything to preserve our bodies, but yet college, everything you're doing is deteriorating your body. Yeah, it's very so like, it doesn't make any sense. And um, yeah, it's just, I'm even thinking, um, just even with the parents, who I was, I was listening to this podcast a little bit of Gary Vee, which he was a guest speaker on, and not so much on this topic of like specifically with what's happening at college, but more so of the pressure that society puts on parents of if you don't get your kid to college, you are a bad parent. If yeah. you don't get your kid to college, like you're doing them an injustice. Get them the best four years of their life. Well, well like that's that's the pretty little package that's being presented to parents. Mm-hmm. And parents are like doing everything in their power to like get their kids to college. And like, okay, here are your best four years. Mm-hmm. But for the parents watching, listening, whatever, like I pray that they don't fall into that lie because mm-hmm. even like Gary Vee was saying, he's like, okay, you get to college, but ultimately you don't have to go to college. Like you can get a great job by informing yourself on like other like avenues or reading books or whatever it may be. Like, this isn't the end-all, be-all. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and I think it begins there of what's presented to parents and to students in the high school years, which leads them down to, well, I have to go. Like, if I don't go, something's the matter with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is what it opens it up to. Yeah. yeah. And I don't think, like, I think my parents were aware to a certain degree of, like, what it was like. But I would tell them stories, and, like, they were a little bit shocked, you know. Um, and then I have a younger brother who I would tell stories to, and he was like, oh, well, you're exaggerating, you know, and then he went to college himself, and he was like, you were not exaggerating, you know, so it's just, it's really sad, because I feel like parents are sending their children, because we go to college as children, Mm -hmm. to these places where they're totally being formed by all these things that I don't know that they're ready to, like, capable to handle, I don't know Mm -hmm. that they're ready for it, you know, right. Yeah, <laughs> I hope my mom doesn't get mad that I'm sharing this. But <laughs> right before I left for college, because um, I I did want to go to school, because again I I did want to study theology from junior high school. I knew that's what I was going to go to school for. So I'm like, I am going to go to school for this. Like it was my choice to go to college. But I had never had a drink underage before. I had never gone to a party before. But my mom said. Because there's been, like, stories, or even for herself, like, she has been in situations where, like, there's been roofing happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she's like, you yeah. need to know what alcohol does to your body. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm also. And she's like, no, you need to know. Because if you don't know the power that a substance like this can have on you, like, I don't want you to be taken advantage of. So it's like a Saturday night. <laughs> My mom and I were sitting. She made me all these drinks. And she's like, we're going to drink together. You're in a safe place. But you need to know, like, if someone does slip a drink into your drink, into, like, your water Sorry, or juice, whatever, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you're going to be able to pick up on it. You're gonna, Like, mm-hmm. the fact that my mom had to have a sit-down training with me, mm-hmm. like, that in itself got me a little scared for the college atmosphere of, like, yeah. well, like, what could happen to me? So it made me super hyper-aware. So, but again, yeah, my parents, similar to what you're saying, Brianna, like, they kind of knew, kind of didn't yeah. know, but... They both never went to a college campus. They only went to community college. So they didn't really know what they were sending my brother and I off to mm-hmm. until, you know, the stories yeah. came out. Well, I think living in the dorms itself is, like, a whole other level of, like, experiencing all this stuff, mm-hmm. you know? Yes. Um, yeah. It's just, 
yeah. not the best place to be. <laughs> it's funny too that you said about the drinking because the drinking age in Ireland is 18. Mm -hmm. And then like people do often start like a lot younger than that. You know, you hear kids like 14, 15, starting to drink then. Um, which is like by the time you get to college, you can just imagine like um, how people are, are consuming alcohol. So um, yeah, that's really funny that you say that. Um, yeah. I think that's maybe better though that it's like later here. Because um, like you said, like you're going to college, you're still a child, really. You are, like, yeah. Like you're not fully Well, and born. it's sad too because I feel like you can't come out of college and still be innocent in the sense of like what you've seen and what you've experienced. Like you go to college and you lose your innocence, you know? And I don't necessarily know if that's a bad thing. Like I think we should be exposed to a lot of things. Yeah. But... Yeah, I don't know to what degree I would say that's that's a good, you know, because I feel like a lot of people aren't prepared for it. And I saw so many people, you know, being sucked into the culture on campus that that weren't like aware of it before they came. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. That does. But I think I always again five years were tough for me, but I always still try to remain hopeful. There was still good Catholics on both the previous college I went to, their campus, and still good Catholics on Franciscan's campus. And it's possible to enter into college as a Catholic and to leave as a Catholic. You mm -hmm. just like you just gotta work for it. That's the biggest yeah. thing. Like to not discourage people who are going to go to college mm -hmm. or to live on campus, mm -hmm. um, whether it's a secular college, a liberal arts school, community school, whatever it is, you can still find that community. I think is the biggest thing to still hammer home. Um, yeah. Yeah, this kid, a lot of, like, again, if your dream is to go to four years of college living on campus, like, still go for that dream, mm -hmm. but just be aware of what this pretty, like, outside coverage looks difficult. like. It'll be difficult. Yeah, It'll yeah, difficult. I think it's really important yeah. for people to be aware yeah. of what they're opening themselves up to, yes. and that they really need to have a strong community, and, like, build right. out for themselves, and, like, invest in those kind of relationships, because mm -hmm. that's what's going to, like, carry you through. Exactly. Um, yeah. And even, too, for me, like I was saying, I, I never really was accepted into the ministry group at my school. So I really didn't have Catholic friends when I was in um, undergrad. But I think the key is to having friends who even, even if they're living that lifestyle, will respect that you don't want to do it. You know? Mm -hmm. So I had friends that were doing all that stuff, but they never pressured me to join in or anything like that because yeah. they knew I, wouldn't, I didn't want to. You know, yeah, yeah, it's totally, so, it's not to say yeah. that they're bad people or anything, they're, they're very decent people, I've met a lot of very decent people who just, like, are not aware um, of the damage, the damage that their yeah. lifestyle is having, like, mm -hmm. doing to them, and, like, to their souls, and, like, yeah, it's just, it's it's not to say that they're, like, bad people or anything mm -hmm. like that at mm -hmm. all. And the biggest yeah. thing is, like, as long as they're not asking you to conform to their beliefs or to their habits right. or to their lifestyles, then that's fine. Like, mm -hmm. be with those people of different faith backgrounds on your campus. Be with those mm -hmm. people who party, you know, six days out of the week because they still need to be loved and you can still enter into friendships with them. Mm -hmm. yes, definitely. Definitely. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. This might be going totally off track, but when you were talking <laughs> a little bit about, uh, like a while ago, something came into my head and you were talking about uh, that your first the party that you went to, the one yeah. party, and uh, that kid that like, you took home or whatever. And I just thought, like, I don't know, it's like a reflection of the state of masculinity in our culture. This, yeah. like, this is, like, a, a totally different, like, topic. And, like, <laughs> a much bigger conversation, but it just made me think about, like, how 
how men and women are being formed as well. Oh yeah, it's, it's, I, I think that's a great point because I think on college campuses a lot is formed in terms of like femininity and masculinity mm-hmm. and like what our culture deems as appropriate for either one. Yeah. Um, I just thought it was so funny yeah. that like you were like caring for him and like taking him and making sure that he was okay and like safe yeah. and like mm-hmm. it's just like a reverse of rules. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah, and I think that was another question that I wanted to ask you guys was um, obviously party campus, there's a lot of hooking up going on. No one was dating. Mm-hmm. What was your guys' experience? Yep. Same thing. Yeah. Same yeah. Thing. yeah. Honestly. Yeah. 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 And then you would have, yeah, you'd have a lot of people who were, they would like hook up and then date and then they would break up, but they'd still hook up yes. after mm-hmm. breaking up. Yeah. And it's just, yeah. Yes. What I saw a lot of was my friends would be dating or like hooking, well, I guess not dating, but just hooking up with guys in the same friend group guys in the same yeah. room like, yeah. we're like yeah. that where I'm like on the edge of my seat like what are you doing like please stop like this is really like number one not healthy for your body and number yeah. two like that isn't I would ask honestly some of the girls I'd say is this uncomfortable for you knowing that everyone in this dorm room you've slept with mm-hmm. and isn't it awkward that now when you see this guy like all of his friends know that you've all you've slept with all of them Right. And you could tell there was like a little bit of like, well, I just try to avoid them or yeah. I just try to like suppress it. It's just, it's a culture of suppressing. It's like, mm-hmm. we like you yeah. said with the girls you overheard the conversation of just suppress what happened, suppress how you're feeling. Mm-hmm. And it was really hard to watch. Um, and then in my five years, none of the guys that I went to school with, no one asked me on a date. I didn't go on a single date. Yeah. Guys that I worked with who were not practicing Catholics, they would ask me out, and, like, I dated a few of them, but the guys on the college campus, the dating culture was absent, but the yeah. culture mm-hmm. was what was seen as pleasurable, and yeah. obviously I did not want to get involved in that, so, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, that's interesting, because it, it was kind of the same for me, because, like, I would be asked out on a date, but once it wasn't clear that, like, nothing was going to happen, okay, on to the next, you know what I mean? There was no desire for relationship or anything like that. Mm -hmm. And I think the saddest part is women who get, like, trapped in in the culture of, like, hooking up, they kind of expect it. But I also think, like, in a relationship itself, once they do enter into a relationship, they justify when their partner cheats on them because it's normal. You know, like I've heard that a lot is like, oh, it's normal. Like this happens in relationships now. It's just a thing that you have to deal with and move on. You know, mm-hmm. when it's like, no, we want better for ourselves. Exactly. Yeah. Like that's not something that we should expect mm-hmm. our partner to be doing. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I had much the same experience as you and I as well. Mm-hmm. The dating is just non, non-existent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I had, I had guys who would want to like take me home. Mm-hmm. But, like... I'm not interested, sorry. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's just so sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I think too, like, I'm a little cautious to say that I necessarily believe there's like a rape culture on college campuses because I'm not sure either way yet. Um, but I definitely saw that like when women were taken advantage of, it was by 
their male friends or someone that they were close to. You know, it wasn't from like someone that they didn't necessarily know. It was right. from someone they knew and they thought they could trust. And that's usually how it works anyways. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. Those rape cases, it's the ones that you know and are unexpecting of mm-hmm. it to happen from because mm-hmm. you trust them. Exactly. And that's why, yeah, it when you are drinking or going out, my mom even had mentioned this of the minute Uber um, came out and like all, I can't even think of the other one, Lyft. Lyft. Uber yeah. and Lyft, once they came out, no one in your friend group, there was n- no DD anymore. Exactly. So yeah. that just like wiped out the yeah. one girl or guy who was happy about everyone, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I still, like, you know, during the summertime, if I still go out with my friends to a bar, wherever it is, even though we're not going to get totally like hammered, smashed, like smashed or whatever, um, I still want to be aware. So I still talk to my friends and say, who's going to have our backs? Because, yeah, you don't want to fall into a situation like that. You don't want to fall into like a roofie situation. Like mm-hmm. you want someone who's going to watch out for you, for your friends, for your well-being. Um, but at college, again, because I experienced this, it's a lot of keeping up. Oh, they're more drunk than me. I got to keep up. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. let me take a few more shots. Let me do this. Let me do that. And then eventually no one's watching you. And before you know it, everyone's like, where'd this girl go? Where'd this girl go? Like, where'd yeah, that exactly. go? Exactly. And then it's this fear. And it's like, oh, she's probably fine. She's fine. Mm-hmm. Is yeah. she? Yeah. Like, yeah, you know, like, no it, you have yeah. no clue. And that's what, oh, I hated that for my two years of college of, like, where is like is she coming home later tonight like I would be waiting up like a worried mother for my roommates to come home like is everyone okay is everyone in bed is everyone like okay are they gonna like choke in their own like vomit like is everyone okay exactly and no one no college students should have that stress no Mm -hmm. no no that actually reminds me of a story of I so our college would put on kind of like festivals or like Mm -hmm. music concerts Mm -hmm. and of course like everyone was like wasted out of their mind mm-hmm. um so I remember we had we had this one concert and I think it was like midterms or finals or something so I was in the library and I was like with my friends and we were like we're not going to this thing we have like way too much to do right now yeah. um but we wanted to take a study break so we took a study break and we we're like oh let's just go like walk by you know and see like how the music is you know so we went and we walked by and I remember, so, you know, there was, like, this large grass area with the musicians, and then, like, all the college people were, like, you know, scrunched in Mm -hmm. the middle, and then there were, like, some people hanging out around the edges, and I saw this girl laying on the ground, like, totally passed out, and I walked up to her, and it was someone that I knew, and I remember being so mad, because, like, she was, she was a part of my friend, my larger friend group, and I knew that they had gone to this. And it's like, where where are they? Why are they not taking, like, here taking care of her? You know what I mean? So I ended up running into them. And I said, like, hey, so-and-so is passed out, like, over here. Like, I had to, you know, wake her up. I don't know if she's okay or not. I had to take her to um, our campus, like, police or whatever like that to yeah. make sure that she was fine. Um, but they were like, oh, well, we don't want to take care of her. So can you take care of her? And it's like, what do you mean? you guys brought her here with you. Like, why do I have to take care of her when this isn't even, like, my responsibility? Exactly. You know? But I ended up, like, bringing her back to my apartment. But I was just, like, so shocked that, like, Mm -hmm. even their selfishness of, like, why are you interrupting me? I'm having a good time. Exactly. Mm -hmm. No one wants to take responsibility for their actions, for other people, for anything. 
It's yeah. just, it's a free for all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's really sad. Yeah. And then it totally goes against our faith of like, love thy neighbor. Like yeah. we have yeah. to be willing the good of another. We truly love them. And we also have to be caring for our brother and sister. Like mm-hmm. say, God forbid she did die. Like that's on them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. people forget the circumstances of all of our actions, what they do or lack thereof of our action. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, yeah, when you say like no responsibility, that's kind of part of the package that sold you. Yeah. Like, yeah. oh, you have no responsibilities yeah. in these four years. And yes. that's not always a good thing. Yeah. You have yeah. all this freedom, mm-hmm. but don't worry about the responsibility. Mm-hmm. You're fine. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But then at the same time, you don't really have freedom. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Because mm-hmm. you're a slave to mm-hmm. the, the, the lifestyle, the father's lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I think it. Well, I mean, I mean, I think depression can start early on. But what I like the pattern that I noticed was like by like junior year was when like my friends, my peers started getting like really depressed and really like they had severe anxiety as well. You know, like social anxiety. And I think like it just comes along with all the partying that they've been doing. You know, and like the drinking and the drugs and all that. I think it builds up to a point when they reach like their third year in college and they they're just like severely depressed and on medication because of it. Yeah, yeah see that's the portion I missed because I transferred after my sophomore okay, year. Yeah. And then junior is when I went into Franciscan University. So I didn't see up close what those effects had on my friends and on my roommates at the time. Um, but I will say the joy that I saw in Franciscan's campus of those people uh, was just so attractive. I was like, whoa, like mm-hmm. it took me so long to try to find a glimmer of this on my other college campus. But I totally agree with what you're saying because now all those girls who I once roomed with or whatever it may be, we're not close anymore. Yeah. And it's just, it is sad because I always loved them mm-hmm. no matter what they were doing. And thank God they never asked me to conform to what they were doing or um, getting involved in. But to just look at them now, um, about four years later, and to look at them and be like, "You're not, you're not the person I once knew freshman yeah, year." Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was this obvious change, yeah. and they're just empty, sad. I don't, I don't know what exactly it is that they're going yeah. through, but yeah, they are different. Well, I think they become bitter and hardened, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that changes a lot of your personality because you see the world differently. I mean, I remember graduating and coming, I moved back home for a couple of years and my mom was like, Brianna, you're edgy, you know? And it's like, yeah, because I was like around this stuff and like it, it rubs off on you, It does. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like we've talked about this, but like everyone has that like desire for God and like mm-hmm. to be fulfilled in like God and Jesus. And when you're not getting that, you're searching in all, <clears throat> excuse me, in all the wrong places like you're you're going to continue to have that emptiness and like mm-hmm. I think people don't realize that that's really what they're looking for um and like everything will tell you that that's not what you want yeah so like that's not that's not it it's not there mm-hmm. but then like you said you experience people who do have um like an authentic faith and are living it out well or trying their best to live it out well they have like a joy and a peace that's like indescribable and like you, you can't find that anywhere else exactly. yeah. yeah yeah so what was it for you guys that like helped you survive the the years or the time that you were there was there something or someone um <clears throat> i think for me i 
I feel like I could have really easily gotten sucked in and like more and more as the time went on. But um, halfway through my second year in college, my mom took me to a retreat. And so I'd been, I'd been saying for like a long time, maybe like six months previous, my mom had said like, oh, do you want to come on this retreat with me? Um, this, he's an incredible priest who was putting it on. He's like so holy and just like wonderful. Um, and so he, like his retreats get booked up pretty early. So like six months before she was like, I'm going to go at Christmas time, like two weeks before Christmas, whatever. And I was like, no, like I'm not interested. Like, yeah, no. Um, so her and my aunt had planned to go and then um, someone in my aunt's uh, husband's family passed away, actually his mom passed away and they had to uh, go to that funeral in England. So the spot was Open free. Yeah. yeah. And I really needed to be there that weekend. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'd been in a relationship and it just ended like the week before. And so I was like, my, my mom was like, well, this spot is still free. So I went to that retreat and the healing that I experienced and just like the joy that the priest prayed with me and I, I can't even describe it like that was like the point of like my reversion I think mm-hmm. um yeah it was just incredible and I just felt so joyful and like such incredible peace and I just felt like the love of god and like how much jesus loves me that like he knew i would need to be there that weekend and yeah so even when i rejected him Mm -hmm. and rejected it he kept that spot for me um yeah so i think like that really like fueled me Mm -hmm. um and i had that like concrete experience to hold on to and look back on and that like i think like really grounded me and kept me in my faith then from that point forward but I think had that not happened, I, I'd be totally lost. <laughs> so, well, no, because God keeps like calling us back and keeps yes. like mm-hmm. chasing us. But yeah. What year was that for you? That was in my second year. So that was halfway through my second year. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I would say, so freshman year, I was, I was pretty good. Like, like I said, I was rejecting the party culture for a long time. But end of my freshman year beginning sophomore year is where I got introduced to my great friend Nate and during that time when all my friends continued to party and everything like that um and I started realizing okay this school is not for me but I feel like I don't have a support system to help me leave because I was leaving because the faith wasn't there and because I wasn't learning a lot from my theology studies and everything like that so having Nate go to adoration with me once a week and just hear me talk, hear me think, um, be there for me as a brother in Christ was really what helped me keep going um, and be like, no, like I I deserve better than this college campus. I deserve better than these classes I'm being offered. And so he was one, adoration was another. And then also I'd say because I had such a big role in campus ministry, everyone knew me and I was, I'm always like, I don't know who I'm going to see today. Let me make sure I look good. Let me make sure I like I'm holding myself well, because you don't know who like word is going to get back to you. Like it could be my future spouse in the room. It could be my future employer. Like that's just been ingrained in my brain. So because of that, and I would see so many of our our RDs, RAs, who I had a good relationship with, I always was like, I'm probably going to run into them tonight. Let me make sure I'm dressed appropriately. Let me make sure I'm not belligerently drunk. I want to make sure I'm setting a good example still for who I am as a person, which is Monet. Like, that was a big portion of, I was always 
I never wanted my image to be tainted in the eyes of another who respected me already because of how I was partying or whatever. So in a way that, like those thoughts in my head really made sure I like, okay, I had three drinks. That was like my cutoff point yeah. for the night. Like, okay, I'm going to wear something. Like I still wore a little bit of scandalous outfits, but I was like, I still want to dress like appropriately yeah. enough. Yeah. So that was driving me to make sure I didn't fall too deeply, but I also was still kind of like dipping my toe in like yeah. this water of like fun party culture. Yeah. So I would say those three things are what kind of kept me, I guess, on a straight now, more like a zigzag yeah. path. Yes. But yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think for me, yeah, it was interesting because in the first year, so freshman year, I formed like a friend friend group with a few girls. Mm-hmm. And second year they decided that they didn't like me. So then I was like, okay, well I'm done being friends with girls. So I was <laughs> friends with all the guys. Um but that actually proved to be like extremely rewarding and they actually mm-hmm. like watched out for me and watch like watch my back. Yeah. You know, and guys aren't petty, so like there was no drama with them or anything like that. Um, but it also taught me, because, like, there wasn't a chance for, like, relationships or dating in college culture. Mm-hmm. Um, it also taught me how to, like, relate to men and, like, what they need from us and, like, mm-hmm. how they communicate as well. So it was really rewarding for me. But also, like you, Sarah, my, I think it was, no, it was my senior year. I was invited to go on this retreat that like totally like I wouldn't say it changed my life but it definitely opened up a part of my heart that like had been closed from like everything that I was seeing and experiencing you know I think I I had been a little hard and like my mom said um but at the retreat it was like just a little like crack you know (laughs) and like it opened kind of like a floodgate for me you know Mm -hmm. and um yeah it was a beautiful experience but yeah, I think it's important to have, like, some sort of, like, mentorship yeah, in these absolutely. situations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's what happened for me as well at that retreat. Like, I met, I think it was one girl, that well, one girl that I remember in particular who was young. And this is my first time seeing someone young who was practicing their faith. And, like, yeah, I, like, really actually, like, taking it seriously. And I was kind of blown away because I was like, oh, like, people my age don't really do this. Um, yeah. And then so she she said, you know, oh, you should check out Youth uh, 2000, whatever. And I was kind of like, oh, like, I don't know anyone. I want to go by myself. And so I went back to that same, uh, like that priest was having another retreat uh, the following summer for young people. Mm-hmm. And that's when I met like a lot of young people. And they were all like, you've got to come to Youth 2000. And then when I made like those kind of friends who were like faithful Catholics, that's mm-hmm. what like, that's what changed everything. Um, yeah. And just to know that like you're not alone. Because yeah. I felt so alone. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, you're really, you're not alone. So, <laughs> like, it's, it's important true. to know that because, like, you couldn't kind of fool yourself into thinking, like, that you really are mm-hmm. and that, like, yeah. no one else is experiencing what you're experiencing. But yeah, you're definitely not. Well, I think that's, like, one of the biggest things that the devil takes advantage of, right? It's like, oh, look at how lonely you are. You're pathetic, kind of. Mm-hmm. You know, like, mm-hmm. so, like, there's that, like, temptation and that push, like, no, go out there. Be with your friends. Do what they're doing. You won't be alone. Exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah. Find your board games. That's what you should do on Friday night. Board games. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, uh, thanks everyone for watching. I think we're going to wrap it up there. We covered a lot today. Um, if you're following along with our consecration uh, to St. Joseph, um, ending on the Feast of St. Joseph the Worker, please keep up with that. Um, send us a message. Let us know how you're getting on with it too. We'd be delighted to hear. Um, and so, Moni, would you like to just remind everyone of your podcast and they can check it out? Of course. So again, for those of you that are high school and college students looking for ways to navigate the lifestyles that we both, or all three of us, were talking about today, head to AMH Lifestyles on Instagram and Facebook. And if you want to find us on our YouTube channels, A Message of Hope. And again, it was so wonderful to talk about this very important yeah. topic today. Yeah, so thank really you. important. Thank yeah, we're delighted to have you. Yeah. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Um, and thanks everyone for watching. Don't forget to like and subscribe. And God bless you all. God bless.